Welcome to Sarah in Tech. I'm Sarah, and our guest today is Dave Miller. Dave, what's your job title? Hi, Sarah. Thanks for having me. Um, my job title is Director of Engineering wow. at Infuse IO. And what do you do other than direct engineering? Well, um, Infuse is kind of a boutique consulting agency, I'd say, for big data software. And so um, outside of directing, <laughs> <laughs> um, which has been a lot of recruiting and, and kind of um, helping kind of growth focused at the moment, but um, outside of directing, I'm, I, you know, I bill as a developer most often. I build as an architect um, and uh, I think even a TPM. But yeah, a variety Te of things. Technical project manager. So, yes, technical project manager. Okay. Sorry, acronyms. <laughs> yeah. People might be confused because almost everyone that's been on here so far has been a data scientist. So mm -hmm. you're our kind of like combo breaker. Oh, cool. Yeah. We're, we're actually all of tech, not just data science. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm focused in big data software at the moment, for sure. So with all of that experience and the cool stuff you're doing... I know we've had other conversations about some of your background that I always find really fascinating because you play a musical instrument and we're even in a band and you've had all these wild adventures and somehow you ended up in technology again. Yeah, yeah. It's a kind of a non-traditional history for sure. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> I've played in a, a variety of bands over the years. Um yeah, any everything from like, well, I mean, I was gonna say terrible punk bands, but um, all of my bands have been somewhat terrible, depending on who you talk to. <laughs> but yeah, country, pop, you know, new wave, synth, all of all of the things. I'm a. What do you normally play? Uh, I'd say my my pr guitar is probably my go-to. Although lately, I just got. Uh, a new cool MIDI controller that I've been trying to, I don't know if produce is the right word, but like put together beats that I can play guitar on top of. Um, but I've been slacking. All this director stuff gets in the way of... Uh, you mean they expect you to actually work? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a good thing. You're necessary to business. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I try to, I try to bring value where I can. So can you kind of give us a little walkthrough of like, did you get a college degree and how did you go from that to eventually becoming what you are now, the director of engineering? Yeah. So I, I do have a bachelor's of science in computer engineering, um, but I was a non-traditional student. So I came back to, and that's from University of Idaho, if I didn't say that. Um, go Vandals, but um, Ooh, go Vandals, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I um, came back in 2008. I was living in New Jersey at the time, of all places, and decided it was time to um, it was time to pivot. We'll put it that way. What were you doing in New Jersey? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good How question. How did you end up in New Jersey? Were you born in New Jersey? <laughs> no. Uh, you know, it's like a never-ending quest to hang out with Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> did you ever actually hang out with Bruce Springsteen? Um, actually, 
in the, I didn't even mean to go there, but I'm glad you asked. I have sat next to Bruce Springsteen Ooh. at a bar wow. called the Stone Pony. Mm. Um, and I, it was more, it wasn't like I really hung out with him, but um, I mean, in, in my eyes, I was hanging out with him, but he didn't know I was there. You know, I was just kind of <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm next like, to Bruce Springsteen, <laughs> guys, <yeah>. guys. <laughs> Look at me. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the boss now? Or, yeah. <laughs> so was that like a bucket item you like? Check. Yeah, that was one check. Um, that was pretty awesome. Because anyway, yeah. But what was I doing in Jersey? I was, um, I, w- I moved out there um, because of a promotion um, for a job that involved selling skateboards in the mall. And shoes, mostly. Ooh. Mostly shoes. I worked in the mall. To go with your, your bands that you were in as well? <laughs> kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how it I kind mean, of started, yeah. I mean, like, I feel like that's a lot of personality and everything. Like, you're pursuing your love of music, selling skateboards and shoes. <laughs> and, like, all of us, I don't know, me, I've never, like, just gone, like, and done something crazy that I love. Like I'm not gonna go start selling art on campus. That that's that would be a really scary for me. Yeah. So it's like I kind of admire that about you, actually, that you went and did that. Thanks. Yeah. It. I mean, it's been it's crazy to think back, like how all everything happens and why. But um, yeah. I mean, I went to right out of high school. I went to high school in Moscow, Idaho, mm-hmm. so northern Idaho, um, and. Uh, yeah, I went to University of Idaho uh, right out of high school. So I think for me, part of it was weird just not leaving the town I went to high school in and trying to go to school. And I wasn't sure what I was going to do. Like at the time, I thought maybe I'll study psychology or sociology or something, you know. And um, But really, I was just more into being social and, you know, um, being in a, yeah, playing music with people and stuff, so. Yeah, from there I went all over the place. Portland, back to Moscow, then to Seattle, then to New York, then to New Jersey. And then I was like, why am I, what am I doing in a mall in New Jersey? Like maybe I should like, you know, reevaluate. Yeah, that's how I ended back in Idaho and in tech. Do you have like a cool adventure you'd be willing to share from that period of your life? A a cool adventure? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, so many cool adventures from <laughs> like um, a couple of the bands I've been in uh, went on went on like West Coast tours, you know, and that's always an adventure being in a van, uh, you know, with smell uh, with a, a van full of smelly <laughs> guys like driving around with no money. It's a recipe for disaster. Um <laughs> In a good way. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. I'm like specific adventures though. Yeah. So many. Um, it was just like all one giant merging adventure. It was like nonstop. It was just one conglomeration. The experience. Yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. Like it just popped into my head, I think, because I finally got my hands on um, a digital copy of one of, I think like the second or third band I was actually in, believe it or not, was a country band. Mm-hmm called Buck Dagger and a Handful of Honest Men. And I finally, my friend Dustin, like, was moving and found a CD from that era 
in a box. And so he sent me a copy and I finally got my hands on it and it's been, I've been so pumped about it, but, um, I mean, that's a good, that was a, an adventure in itself. I lived in Portland, played drums, mostly drums in a country band. We, and we dress up like full cowboy, even though we were like kind of dirty punk rock kids, you know? And, um, we'd put full gear, you know, like pearl snap shirts, bolo ties, hats, boots, um, the whole nine yards. And I just like can't picture you being country, but like you're from Idaho, so it's not. I mean, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I, like I don't want to offend anyone. I'm not like a super pop country guy. This was like what I would consider legit country. Ooh. This was like we covered a couple like Johnny Cash and like original Hank Williams songs. We, we covered Jolene by Dolly Parton. Mm. That is a tasty jam. That is like a very classic. Even Miley Cyrus has done that one. I'm pretty oh, sure. yeah, like totally. The White Stripes covered it. And I think around that time, I'd like to think the White Stripes heard our version and covered it. They might have done it first, actually. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is so very cool. <laughs> that was a cool adventure. Yeah, we, I, I was just thinking we had a buckaroo party every year. And so we we hosted a party so that we so people would watch us play probably. And everyone dressed up like cowboys, and we, it was fun. It sounds like that a was good a good time. adventure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you just up and decided you're in New Jersey, you're gonna come back to Idaho, and you're gonna be the director of engineering. Um, it was not <laughs> quite that that focused. Like I, I don't think I ever, even like a year ago, I don't know that I would have told you I'd be the director of engineering. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, I, I went back to school, and I was pretty set on electrical engineering, mm-hmm. and I um, it took a couple of semesters and, like, one computer science course for me to realize that I really wanted to do software, and, com- I you know, writing code to me was infinitely more enjoyable than, like, you know, pencil circuit theory on paper, you know, mm-hmm. I could you know, type in some code and a hello world, for example, and like get immediate feedback and be, you know, Oh, I made something and it did a thing on the screen, you know, and it was way more exciting than, you know, circuit theory. And yeah. So I, I shifted, I ended up with uh, computer engineering. If I didn't already say that, and, uh, which is kind of like a mashup E and CS. Yep. Did I answer so your question? You did. Okay. I was just like, <laughs> Just woke up one morning and decided to be um, director of engineering, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, So it it started with software, yeah. Like, (laughs) between the last year. But, I mean, prior to that point, as far as, like, my viewpoint, like, I've always heard about how great of a programmer you are, how great it is to, like, pair a program with you. And so you were really good and really passionate about programming. Mm -hmm. Do you have a favorite language? Do you have a favorite, like, technology stack? Um, I think my, that might be to a fault. I wouldn't say I have a favorite language. I like all of the languages. Oh, that's like, so beautiful. If I know, right? <laughs> that's so cheap. Yeah. If, if, if I had to pick one, I, this is another like cliche answer, but I'd probably say that whatever, it depends on the task at hand. What's the best language for whatever it is you're doing. Mm-hmm. Like lately, and I never thought I'd say this, but I've been kind of loving Java which is like, I don't think you'll hear any um, software engineers say that, but it's just, it's it's come a long way since 
I originally started hating it. And, uh, <laughs> and now you don't hate it at all. Yeah, yeah. If I, if I had to like, I mean, if I had to choose one language to do it all, I'd probably pick something like Rust or um, I, I did some work with Go recently that was like super pleasant. I enjoyed that language quite a bit. Um, I started my first job out of college was with C++ and I loved that, you know, and I've enjoyed my work, my time with Python. Um, but it, yeah, it really depends. All right. So what's something that you would say that's in your life that brings you a lot of joy? Ooh, joy. Um, Building off of the programming question. <laughs> like, yeah. Programming? <laughs> yeah. So if we're specific to programming, I would say I, I feel intense joy when I make a commit to GitHub, for example, and I see like it'll tell you like how many... Um, lines of code you removed. I don't, I don't know if it's lines or just changes, but it's got, you've got like a red for how much is was removed and like a green section with a number for like how, how much code you added. And I get tremendous joy from like 10, you know, for example, like 2000 lines of code removed and like 10 lines of code added. I love deleting stuff these days. <laughs> yeah. Making it more simple and easy to understand. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's amazing how bloated stuff can get. Um, when I say stuff, I mean um, software projects. There's so many unnecessary lines everywhere, and then you you have it. You have a project change hands a few times, and the people that are new to the project have no idea why this function exists, um, and just leave it there. And it it you know. And they're like too afraid it's because snowballs. if I remove it, it stops working <laughs> and I don't even know where it's being used. I already like did a control F and can't find it and yeah. just going to leave it. <laughs> Not going to ask any questions. Uh, and you're the person that goes through and, and fixes those awful things that the rest of us do. Yeah, I guess I'm just willing to deal with the pain if I break something. It's like, okay, what, you know, what's the worst thing that could happen? Oh, um, well, I guess that depends, right? If if like if this line of code I commit is going to cause a car to go off the road and and kill someone, okay, maybe I'll be a little I'll put some tests around this, you know. You guys are working on autonomous driving and you didn't tell me? <laughs> no, 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 no. No, that was a former life. That was my first job out of college, by what? the way. Yeah. Yeah. You worked for Tesla or someone else? Uh no, no. I agreed um this is part of my problem, Sarah. I, I tend to say yes to like the most ridiculous opportunities like, uh, like coming onto a podcast. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like this right isn't now? ridiculous though. This is awesome. But like, yeah, like, you know, right out of school, um, an acquaintance, uh, but who became a friend, Josh Hartung, um, approached me and he's like, Hey, John Lamb said you, you know, you'd, we're in, in some of his classes and I've been working with him on some like sensor drivers for like radar and LIDAR. And we've got this idea for a company like you and it, you know, it's stuff for self-driving cars. Like, what do you, you want to come work for us for no money? And I was like, yeah, sign me up. Like, that's <laughs> not a crazy idea at all. Like, let's do, let's make a self-driving car startup in Moscow, Idaho. That's totally going to succeed, you know? And it, it, it kind of did. It, we like, it, you know, 
It's amazing. Anyway, yeah. End of rant. Side story that's, on. That's Soul really Trend. cool. That's you're like the second person from Boise, I think, that has worked on autonomous driving. Um, Josh oh. Johnson also did it, and he did like some space rover stuff too. Oh yeah, I've, that's a familiar name. Is he at Count? Yeah. Okay, is. I've seen I've seen some posts on LinkedIn, and I was like, that's a familiar. That's cool. I didn't know that. Uh, he's like telling me about the South Pole of the Moon the other day. It was just like in passing and talking about the <laughs> rovers he worked on on it. It's like there's water there, and I was looked it up. I was like, there there might actually be water on the moon. I have things I learned in a daily course of work, but yeah. <laughs> awesome. So anyway, self driving car, water on the moon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that's very awesome. Did you get involved in any AI, or was it like basically a rules engine? Um, so our product was, um, we, well, we had a couple products, but the, I think the primary focus was, um, like an R and D software platform for developers. So it was kind of like, um, a host of sensor data for a variety of kind of, you know, at the time, what a lot of, um, R&D shops were using for sensors. So there was just a bunch of different radars and LIDARs and um, just a, a suite of sensors we had drive, we had written drivers for, right? And, and that came out of um, some work with a partner autonomous stuff that was a, a sensor distributor. Mm-hmm. And so like R&D at, you know, for example, somewhere like Toyota would go and they just wanted to buy one sensor and they'd go to the, they'd go to autonomous stuff and say, Hey, we want this radar sensor. They'd buy it. And then they'd realize, Oh, like this is a new thing that doesn't have like a, a driver. There's like no way to get the data off of this thing unless we make that. And so that's where we came in. We started writing sensors and then a layer above that was like pulling data from the sensors and like Bring it, bringing it onto a common bus because you probably have three or four computers on the screen, uh, machines, you know, with sensors connected. So how do you bring all that data into one place? And that was kind of like the middleware, like the pub-sub layer. And then from that, we started adding tools um, and the framework, which became the prob- product because the layer above that would be like decision-making process and then like actuation, like... So you get a bunch of sensor data, 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 <laughs> what? Data. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Yeah. You pull in the data, right? You, you, um, you make some decisions and then you control the vehicle. Like easy, self-driving cars, boom, done, ship it. But uh, yeah, so that was a product, basically like a, like a framework to do that stuff and a suite of sensor drivers to kind of enable it at the base and. What was I, the question? I was just, <laughs> I'm interested in self-driving cars. Like there's a lot of awesome. conversations around it now. Yeah. There's a lot of people kind of frustrated because Tesla keeps saying, well, next year it's fully autonomous and just a lot of conversations in that space. Cause we make, you know, we keep having the distance to fully autonomous, but even if you keep having it, there's still going to be that little bit left over. Oh, it's such a challenging problem to solve that. Like, you know, Knowing it's just funny, like thinking back of like how how excited and confident we were about it even back then, which is like not a decade ago, but like seven years ago mm-hmm. that we were doing this. And um, 
you know, it's come leaps and bounds from where it was and there's still a lot of work to be done and they're doing cool things with simulations so that you can basically, um, yeah, you can create any situation that a car might face programmatically and run your, you know, quote unquote car through the simulation a million times an hour and, and, and just see how it behaves if you tweak different inputs or like the environment in any different you're familiar with all that stuff i'm sure just (laughs) tiny bit (laughs) and so it's like fascinating and awesome but yeah like you can imagine even when the technology is like rock solid then you've got a completely separate problem of um you know how do we convince the public like how do we convince them this is safe it's like nuclear energy right it's probably the solution to all of our problems for sustainability but like when you say nuclear energy people laugh and think atomic bombs and everyone's gonna die you know it's like okay well then that might be a deal breaker for nuclear i don't know (laughs) i mean i actually worked (laughs) in nuclear energy (laughs) it's it's pretty viable but i mean it's also terrifying because if you make a mistake it's not just a couple people or just the plant yeah. And it isn't just right now when we can clean up the explosion. It's like you can't go there for hundreds of years mm-hmm. and because of radiation. And that's why that's why people are scared. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the other industries have an entire marketing department. And nuclear has just been so focused on the science of it. They don't have a marketing department. They're mm-hmm. so focused on spending millions of dollars to build the next nuclear plant. Whereas fossil fuels and coal and stuff like that have an entire marketing department to keep them relevant, mm-hmm. to keep the public positive around them or as much as you can. And Nuke doesn't have that Yeah, as much anyway, as far as I've seen. I think Bill Gates's nuclear energy's marketing department, because he did a documentary and, you know, well, that I guess due to recent events, that's probably... A bummer for nuclear energy because Bill Gates and Melinda. Yeah. But then there's <laughs> other. Yeah, let's not. Yeah, yeah. let's not go down there because I've already had someone be like, yeah, apparently a bunch of girls complained about Bill. Oh, yeah. In yeah. the office. Um, that's never a good thing. But I mean, anyway, mm-hmm. so let's just stick to tech. Yeah, because that's yeah. a deep bunny hole that I have a lot of opinions on. Yeah, I, did, I didn't intend to open that one up. I didn't plan on it. It's good, though. Um, so what's something that kind of keeps you up at night that you worry about, whether it's, like, technological? Like, what is this big technological thing on the horizon that you see coming that you're like, I wonder if we'll overcome that, or you're just, like, absolutely sure? You know, the, I mean, we could talk a lot about you know, fear. And I think that all, all that roots to just like the unknown, right? We could get real deep on that. (laughs) Uh, But, but I think like, (laughs) honestly, like when I go, like when I work with large enterprise companies and I see the state of their software, I'm just like blown away. Like you, like it's still a hard sell to convince executives, let's say that you should hair program or because it's expensive, obviously, or you should have automated testing or like, okay, that's great. You have a couple unit tests, but um, have you thought about maybe building up a regression harness or like using generative testing? Like 
large, huge enterprise companies are like just waking up to like, oh, maybe we should have tests around our code so that when our developers make a change, it doesn't like, um, you know, the dumpster doesn't explode, you know, <laughs> or whatever. You mean as soon as you push, push a change to get, everyone just doesn't say, well, that looks good. Like there should actually be a QA process around it. Y yeah, QA, like um, QA is great and like data analysis is great, but like soft, like, like testing as code is like more, imp I mean, you know, more important to me than the actual implementation is like proof that it works, right? Like we can easily think of like mathematical proofs. We can prove that this chunk of code does exactly what we want it to do. Um, but, you know, a lot of people don't. So that's scary. Mm -hmm. um, they just push those changes. Let's put them into production. Let's yeah. Go. Yeah. No one needs to check this model or this pop pipeline. It's it's good. Let's just run. Yeah, yeah. Like I just I just checked in this awesome I mean, this is a bad example. And I'm not speaking for I'm just like saying like, "Oh, I just put up this commit for a uh, web application and you know, I manually went and clicked this button and it did what it said it was going to do and we're good." <laughs> like, right, like yeah. A lot of a lot of potential for human error still. That's not a huge fear. It's just something I think about. I mean, I had to work in human machine interface, and so I definitely have a very quantifiable understanding of <laughs> human failures <laughs> and like yeah. the rate at which they happen, and the fact that we are we are fallible or we make mistakes. Mm -hmm. So, uh, what is something that keeps you motivated? Um. Motivation for me is, um, for, well, for me, like a, a routine, like I, I'm like a very habitual person. I like have to stick to my routine and, you know, that involves a lot of lists and, and, uh, you know, <laughs> looking at the list and waking up, maybe doing some stuff in the morning, whatever that is. It should be more exercise, but it, but it hasn't been lately. Um, you know. Um, Everyone's been calling it the COVID-15 instead of the freshman. Yeah, yeah. And I've ac actually, like, I don't know when the last time we hung out was, but I think I've lost a significant amount of weight during COVID. Um, you're like, it doesn't look like it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, Dave. I wasn't, like taking super close notice of your like <laughs> physical appearance. Uh, but I believe you that you have lost weight and I congratulations. Yeah. 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 Where was that comment? Like, <laughs> have you been um, working so out? <laughs> <laughs> so what keeps you motivated? It was yeah, motivated. <laughs> oh yeah. That you're like, I need to be motivated to work out more. Soon. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think just like, um, to put it super generically, like just growth, you know, um, and, uh, learning new things, which prop those probably two, those two things are very similar, but, uh, yeah, like, ref you know, looking at what I, I, I just do like, for me, it's like motivation is like finding something I like to do, which I've been, I've had good luck with, um, and then just doing it over and over and over and, to, and like not getting sick of it and 
doing a better job the next time and, you know, reflecting on what went wrong, you know. Um, yeah. I mean, those are all really good things, learning to stay motivated and loving what you do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Have you had any, like, big mentors um, in your life? And, and who do you consider a mentor or who do you look up to? Yeah, I've I feel like I've 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 admired a lot of people from a distance and um is and you know, I've I'm I'm like kind of an introvert, definitely like 100% an introvert and so which is impressive that you were in a band and you open like stores in the mall and all of that and you consider yourself an introvert. That's so yeah, like I, the idea of, you know, my initial reaction to, hey, Dave, you want to come be on my podcast is and like talk about yourself is like, absolutely not. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, I'm uh, so <laughs> thankful you decided to <laughs> ignore that part and come anyway. <laughs> but yeah, I, you know, like you, you, you gotta, you, you got, for me, it's important to operate outside of my comfort zone sometimes. And, um, you know, I couldn't, like, if we talk about music, like, my bandmates probably, if you ask them, I was probably, they probably hated playing music with me because like I couldn't go on stage unless I had a few drinks because that's how I, that's how I managed back then to like do it, you know, like otherwise how in the world am I going to like play an instrument in front of a bunch of people or five people, however many people came to our show. Right. Um, so yeah. So who do you see as a mentor? You oh, just see mentors. a bunch of people yeah. like from afar over there. Well, like, sorry, yeah. Is I, it like Bill Clinton or uh, is it? Uh, oh God, oh God. <laughs> who do you? Uh, probably not Bill. You know. Is it the guy who uh, built the Keras package? That's that's mine. Maybe a little bit. <laughs> um, honestly, like direct. When we talk about like specifically mentorship, like I'm gonna call out uh, my partner Holly and my mom Aww. and my dad. Um, because I, and, and like my best friend, Ethan, like the, they're all awesome people that I talk to. Um, but they've never led me astray, you know, even if I fought what they were suggesting, you know, it's like, um, they've always been right. And so that's a good, that's a good mentor. You know, maybe, maybe, you know, they make suggestions, they don't push you one way or the other but also they have your best interests in mind. So I think they all qualify for the, the they meet those requirements. <laughs> but I've had a bunch of friends that like, I don't know that they knew that they were a men, like a, a passive mentor, mm-hmm. but I always looked up to them so, and kind of admired how they approached the world. What would you, or how would you define success Ooh, I kind of touched on that. Um, to me, success it if, like success is w- going to sleep at night, like wishing you like every day, wishing you had more hours in the day. Like if you've got to that point, that's pr- that's that's a good measure of success, right? Like. Um, uh, And so, you know, I think everyone probably says happiness and that's a, that's to me a good metric of happiness as well. Right. Like, um, finding you something you love to do 
well, okay. Here, here's uh, success is failure, right? I mean, <laughs> or like in order to get there, you fail a bunch of times. I mean, no one's just instantly like. Well, and where is there? Like, is it? Ever, are you ever perfect? Probably not. It's you're just like a different, like a. Are however, you, you def- it's a journey. It's like slightly less <laughs> of a failure each each day. You know, you just keep banging your head against the wall and then get better at. I always love the little like Venn diagram where it's like an intersection of like health and like a job and doing like doing what you love, kind of making money and like it keeps you healthy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, like the intersection of those three is like success, but where you define that for yourself is over so different for each person. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just, um, yeah, I mean, a lot of people, like, link that directly to their job. And, and, like, I feel super lucky that I love what I do. But it's, um, yeah, but, I mean, I have a lot of things that I do that I love that aren't, like, that I don't get paid for. Like the music. Good luck making money playing music. <laughs> but um, it's hard. It's, you know, it's a long way to the top, as they say, or whatever. Very few who play music for a profit, but those that do make a significant amount. Mm-hmm. I don't think I could ever play a musical instrument or sing. So I like totally admire anyone that can even like get up on stage and do that in front of people. Major props to you. Thanks. Yeah. I can proudly say that I, at one point in my career, was making literally hundreds of dollars a year playing music. Wow. <laughs> Whole three digits. (laughs) But if it makes you happy and you have a bunch of fun life stories from it. Oh, yeah. I mean, everyone needs that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Like I rolled around the United States for a while, but not as cool as you. Whatever. (laughs) I just drove around for the fun of it. I I didn't even play in a band. I was just hanging out with one of my girlfriends driving everywhere. Well, that sounds better than like a van full of like sweaty dudes. <laughs> Girls do tend to shower more often. It's, it is a fact. <laughs> but hmm, so being like a little bit more introspective, mm-hmm. what is a piece of advice that you would tell your grandkids? Like from everything that you've experienced in your whole life, like mm. what is something that if you could tell them one thing and they would absolutely listen to you? You would tell them. Ooh, that's a great question. So I, um, grandkids. Haven't thought that far ahead. (laughs) It's a little little bit away. Yeah. Well, you know, like when I think about being, um, yeah, I I think for grandkids, I'd want, you know, again, it's cheesy to say like, oh, just what makes you happy I think it's important to find something that makes you happy and that you enjoy doing on a daily basis even when you're young and um and just keep doing it and and if and if you want uh it's all about repetition like think about when you're a teenager you've got like like I think there's truth to that statement right you can do if you can dream it you can be it or whatever it is like (laughs) Like you can, you know, it's like if, if anyone did any one thing 
for like 30 years, they're going to master that thing or like make something relevant doing that, whatever it is. If they're building something or like learning something, you spend enough time doing it, you're going to have some success. So I don't know. The sooner you figure out the thing that you love and are able to hone that skill, the better, maybe? Yeah, yeah, like, like, like figure out how you learn and maybe that's like academically, maybe not. Like that's an important thing to figure out because once you have that sort of dialed in, you can use that knowledge to then like focus on something. Maybe what you love to do is learn and you just have a lifelong learning session. That's awesome. I mean, I guess we all kind of do, but... I mean, I think the day you stop learning is the day you die, right? Yeah, yeah, Should, yeah. Even if you don't realize it, I, I hope you learn something new each day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. I'm learning how to podcast right now. <laughs> this is cool. I am too. <laughs> this is only my third time. <laughs> You're doing a great job. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, so, what is a big regret in your life? Ooh, a big hitting all the hard questions. Yeah, a big regret. I think um, I don't really I don't, you know, no regrets. Right. But I I think like I often wonder, like, what would have happened if I had like done the traditional like. What if I had done computer science like right after high school? That would have been awesome. But then I'm like, well, but then I would have missed like all the cool stuff we've been talking about, right? Like mm-hmm. with the, the sweaty dudes. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't. Um, there was like a period of time in my 20s and early 30s where like I didn't call my mom enough, like or ever. Now I talk to her at least once a week. So I regret not. Uh, and I think that's, com- I hope that's common. I think it's common. I'm. I call my dad every day. I'm yeah, like, yeah. I, it might be a little weird, but. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you know, I shouldn't have been such a, like, weird, self-centered jerk when I, in my 20s. But I think that's just pretty, con- that's just a thing that, like, you know, humans do in their 20s. But I've noticed, at least in myself and in quite a few other people, like, in your 20s, you're just kind of angry. I don't know why. Not you, but yeah. like, I've seen a lot of people, and I know from myself in my 20s, I was just a little bit more angry than I should have been. I should have just tried to be a little bit more zen. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot. You know, 20 aughts have a lot of weight on their shoulders. It's like, oh, I have to figure out what I'm going to do with my life and, like, be an adult and be responsible or not, you know? <laughs> like, like <laughs> <laughs> I mean, usually people by their mid thirties, I guess, have something figured out or yeah. not. <laughs> <laughs> so, mm. what is something that you see as like a roadblock to technology that you hope gets solved within the next five years in your specific area? Ooh, or is that just too weird of a question? Uh, I think we really need to figure out like quantum mechanics as it relates to space travel. I don't, I'm just kidding. I, 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 <laughs> I mean, uh, that's just, that sounds like a really big problem. Like, I know we just created the first, like, quantum chip. Yeah. And I was just like, cool, I know a little bit about quantum. I took a physics, nuclear physics class. Like, that's yeah. about all you got out of me. Yeah, like, I, I, and I think we touched on this earlier, but I think I can speak from a context of, like, 
software industry, like people need to figure out how to write tests. Just do better with tests. That's a, <laughs> just do better. Yeah, just do, just try like, to be better than you currently are. That's all you guys. I need guess to do. that's not industry specific. <laughs> yeah, just be, people, listeners out there, just be just do better. Okay. I mean, if I had to pick something <laughs> that I'd like ask everyone to be, it's just be kinder and more understanding. Oh yeah, for it's sure. It's just like everyone makes mistakes. Just breathe in and breathe out, and like try to let everything go and not yeah. get too upset because there's a lot. That's an interesting thing in our industry, what, what we do just in tech, right? Like mm-hmm. everyone is so afraid of like communicating their thoughts because they don't want people to think they don't know something. And the, the reality is like we're, we're all learning like we're, this is all new technology. Like we're blazing the trail, like just speak your mind. And like that's how that's how you make a better product or like algorithm or whatever you're building if if like you you know come together and talk about it instead of like you know the um what's the what's the buzz um what am i trying to think of um for some reason i keep thinking fomo but it's not fear of missing out it's um imposter syndrome oh yeah yeah that's (laughs) like a really common place i feel like almost every techie if i get to know them outside of work Mm-hmm. when they they think they can be comfortable mm-hmm. that's like the first thing they say they're like i feel like i have imposter syndrome like i feel like i have imposter syndrome i mean that and i've written like a ton of papers and like i know some things i don't know everything and, <laughs> but yeah almost every techie you give them a drink and try to get down to like brass tacks it's one of the first things they admit to it's kind of unusual yeah yeah there's just there are so many pe- like like software people, for example, if you look at like a, like a software job posting, it's like, you know, must have significant experience or five or seven years or whatever. And like, and then there's just a laundry list of like 20 different random buzzwords. And, um, yeah, I think that could be intimidating, but my favorite is two favorite things is when they say you need to have more experience than the product has been around. Mm -hmm. This is just like, all right, that's totally possible. And then my other favorite meme is when they mix Pokemon names in with data science, like packages or techniques, <laughs> and they ask the recruiter to figure out which is which, which is the Pokemon and which is the, the data science technique. And sometimes people uh, can't differentiate the two. So uh, That's so awesome. Yeah, I happen to know most Pokemon. Oh. And uh, fair, and I think I would pass that test. And hmm. I'm... I am by no means a data scientist. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you've definitely hung around a bunch of us, so I think <laughs> we'll accept you. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, linear regression, is that a thing? I, maybe, just a little bit. <laughs> I mean, but regression and, and all that stuff in general, yeah. <laughs> so uh, where do you see the industry going do you think like AI is going to replace programmers? Cause I hear that theory a lot. Um, I, yeah, I, I hope so. What? Like, you hope so? I mean, um, yeah, like, you know, I, I look at some of the code I wrote last week and I'm like, Oh, that is <laughs> the worst thing I've ever seen. Like, what was I thinking? Um, uh, but, but we talked about human error and you know, if you have a guy sitting at a desk, you know, drinking a Mountain Dew or whatever, you know, 
us programmers do all um, day at a computer <laughs> like, with caffeine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you know, you're bound to make mistakes. If it, but if you can build a system that like generates software based on some inputs, like and produces the expected outputs, like you know, why do you need a dude sitting at a desk or or, or a human at a desk? Like I don't know. Um, Did you see that like new thing? Maybe it's not so new. I think it might be a year or two old now where you just like type plain text of like, I would like a website. It needs to be pink and like this stuff. Yeah. And then it just makes the website. Yeah. <laughs> and you just give it plain text. And I'm just like, ooh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, I, there's like, there's there's definitely like a perfect balance between, you know, like I'm, I, I'm using, if I think of an IDE, let's say it's IntelliJ, right? Or Visual Studio Code and like, you know, there's so much suggestion. There's so many things it does for me nowadays where like when I first started, I would have loved to have had, you know, it just like generates code and it lets you focus. And instead of like all this boilerplate lines of code, you have to keep track of it. Just it'll do that for you. And then you can focus on like the actual problem you're trying to solve. And even that stuff, like to me, I see, I see, AI automation, all of that, just making, enabling us to focus on um, quantum mechanics as it relates to space travel. <laughs> so, <laughs> who do you think will program the programmers? <laughs> That's the real question here. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, this is this is a good. This is maybe we should start a new religion. You got to have like the robot god. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's just always a sticky thing to bring this up. So. Oh, religion? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, won't, we won't have to I'm talk like, about I, Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> do you have any closing thoughts other than that you want quantum computing on a spaceship that you can pilot yourself? Ooh, that sounds terrifying. <laughs> I didn't know I had to pilot. We got to have like some AI to do the the driving. Well, I mean, Jeff Benzos apparently is going to be on his oh yeah spaceship, and it's supposed to be like commercially viable to go to space now. <laughs> Probably like a couple million or whatever. But this is like this is like what uh, add in some like quantum computing. You know, go down exponentially. Only be like a couple hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah, billionaire. Is this what billionaire um, midlife crises look like? I don't know. It's like, my wife left me. Time to go to space. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing for me here. <laughs> I'm just going to leave the planet. <laughs> I've beaten everything that there is to beat here. <laughs> the economic system and have yeah. whatever I want. It's great. <laughs> um, what were we talking about? Oh, oh well, like, do you have any, like, closing or parting thoughts, maybe? Um, no. Go Vandals. Go Vandals. <laughs> I mean, I'm a Vandal. Go Vandals. Uh, yeah, no, I thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. Um, I work for a company called Infuse.io. So shameless plug, like we're always hiring. So if you or anybody listening knows anyone that writes code and wants to do so and work for me because I'm awesome or, um, or, or not. Um, let me know. I mean, I will testify. I have worked with you and you are awesome. Oh, thanks, sir. You're awesome too. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, hopefully we'll get to work together again someday soon. Mm -hmm. 
Um, yeah, uh, yeah, but reach out. Yeah, if we're we're always hiring and looking for um, talented software enthusiasts. You have any socials you want to plug, or just everyone should just look up Infuse on LinkedIn and give. Oh you yeah, we. Oh, I didn't come prepared. Okay, this is my first podcast. I'm supposed to bring. I don't have any plugs that way, but yeah, Infuse.io is a good. That works. Is that a website? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I think we have a website. Ooh. Yeah, we're big time. <laughs> but yeah, you can find us on LinkedIn. You can find me on LinkedIn. I don't do any of the other ones. I think I have a Twitter. I don't know if Infuse has a Twitter, though. You should just build an AI to be your Twitter. Yeah. It can tweet for you. <laughs> yes. It can be sassy like the Wendy's bot Twitter that. bot. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like the Wendy's Twitter. <laughs> I think everyone likes the Wendy's <laughs> Twitter bot. <laughs> oh yeah, I saw their stock shot up. Um, we don't have to go into that. Uh, yeah, like stocks. Yeah. Oh, stocks. Crypto. Oh, crypto <laughs> stocks. Oh. Yeah, but thanks for having me. This was super fun. Thank you for being on. Really appreciate it. Go Vandals. <laughs> Woo. Thanks for that listening is- to Sarah in Tech. Feel free to email me at sarah at sarahintech.net or follow me on Instagram at sarahintech. Hope you enjoyed listening.